got a good one for you today. This is our first hubcast that I have not been a part of recording. So we've got uh, Adam and Keegan having a conversation with Janelle Cowley-Taylor, and it is a good one. I had such a joy editing this. Um, There's so much wisdom that Janelle had to share and so much value to her experience. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this, but before we get into it, I just wanted to mention, if you're listening to this the day that we drop it, that tomorrow, so May 15th, we have an event. It's called Questions for Queers, and it's going to be our uh, fully alive uh, sub-hub, answering some questions um, and having some conversation around the intersection of queerness and Christianity. It's a very beautiful place to be. So if you're interested in coming out to that, you can find it on our social media. The other thing we've got coming up is the last of our liturgical season mini services uh, next Sunday. So that is May 23rd, and that is Pentecost. So if you're interested in either of those events, we'd love to see you there. But for now, let's get right into this conversation with Janelle. Okay, welcome, welcome, uh, everybody, to another episode of The Hubcast. Uh, We are having conversations with people in our community uh, about what they're, where they're at in life and faith, and specifically how they've grown and changed. And uh, I was actually listening to uh, Justin Bieber on my drive into this this morning. I had my my Spotify hits of 2017 playlist. I was when you're feeling nostalgic, but not like super nostalgic just for like the before covid times uh so that that's that's 2017 hits for me and uh you know as justin bieber actually i think this is a paraphrase but there's that song i think it's cold cold water he's like everybody gets lost sometimes that's how we oh it rhymes i'm messing it up now we're not gonna edit this we're gonna keep it real what does he say he's like everybody gets lost that's how we change and how we grow i don't remember exactly what it is but it's about changing and growing (laughs) and missing the mark and i'm gonna tie that to one times that we've been wrong and so that's what we're talking about Uh, we're talking about that That was a tortured one but i think we're not gonna edit that we're just gonna keep it in i'm gonna and maybe we'll have that maybe we'll have tim put that as the outro song this time we'll get we'll, we'll do 15 seconds to correct that but we have jan uh cowley nay taylor on with us is that how you i've always seen it in print when you do the maiden name is it nay nee? nay sure i don't know sometimes i put nay? it in brackets yeah um, it's, yeah it's nay because it's like i've never said it right okay like and uh, to say yeah. someone was born in the past tense in french we'd say Ah, I was thinking yeah. it was like she is nay longer oh. <laughs> legally known but uh, what you said mm-hmm. what I said is dumb so I think that makes way more sense <laughs> yeah uh how's it going Jan good yeah um I'm uh tuning in from my apartment here in Hamilton and it is like a hot day um it is a yes. nice day out there yeah. um but uh yeah, I'm uh I'm not able to enjoy it as much as I'd like to because yesterday I like pulled out my back while running. I like Ooh. pulled my shoulders 
So I'm like having this like, I want to go outside, but I'm like, can't move very well. Um, so I'm definitely feeling the like, feeling very weak in my humanness right now. Where I'm like, every time I move, I'm like, oh, oh yes. wow. Ooh. The flesh yeah. is so weak. It is sometimes. <laughs> I mean, like maybe it gets this points to like running, about. but definitely feel like I like did something weird to it. Because I probably have terrible posture, especially sitting at my desk a lot. So yeah, that's where I'm at like today. Mm. Yeah, that's true. This could be this could yeah. be a year for for people's posture really going. Just like all those like hidden things of being inside that you don't even think about. Like yeah, yeah I've never sat in my whole life. I've never sat in a desk chair as much as this year, and I think it's an okay chair, but I don't know. And like with Zoom too, I find with Zoom on my laptop, I'm always like leaning forward. You know, I'm not yeah, sitting yeah. up square in the shoulders or anything. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, your physicality is. Uh, going through a weird time really know, is covid mm-hmm. it is gorgeous out there yeah. though highly recommend getting out mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so i might sit on my porch like uh like an old woman because i can't move and uh <laughs> that's okay yeah. nothing better than uh sitting on the stoop you know there's yeah. something really special yeah. about it <laughs> yeah but all the young ones that get to ride yeah, their exactly. bikes and say oh, yell at them to get off your grass so healthy and fit today <laughs> I would like that one day, one day ago. Yeah, yeah one day ago. Uh, my youth has passed me by so Literally quickly. A day it could change in a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, we're sitting here in the middle of, uh, well, when we're recording this, this is the, we're getting to the middle of May. And uh, it's getting warm out, which we, we talked, I was talking with Keegan this morning that it's, it's nice to have some extra daylight hours, especially during stay-at-home time. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know, like, so for my um, my room, doesn't have air conditioning. So there's also going to be a thing up where I'm like, whew, I don't know where I'm going to escape this year. Whereas, like, when I lived in downtown Toronto and I didn't have air conditioning, like, I would go work at Starbucks just because it's, like, an air-conditioned place. And now this year, I'm like, all of those places aren't going to let me just hang out there this yeah. summer. That's true. Yeah, that's really true. So uh, we are uh, diving into these uh, conversations, uh, Jan. And before we do, just for uh, I think a lot of people in our community know you, certainly those who have worked with you at Silver Lake or part of uh, Hamilton Subhub uh, or uh, the Navigators. Um, but for those who don't, could you just maybe even just give us a little intro? Um, who you are, what you, what you love to do with your days, and maybe even your connection to, to camps, maybe even how you got got started in the in the camp world um, as just sort of an intro? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Janelle, and my name about a year ago was Taylor. Um, so my name is Janelle Taylor or Jan. Um, I'm now Janelle Cowley. I got married a, about a year ago. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but May 30th, I'll be one year married, which is crazy. Um, And uh, yeah, I did the whole COVID wedding thing. So I feel like I get like, I got some points there. And (laughs) I feel like a special kinship with like other COVID newlywed couples. We're like in this little club of like, wasn't that crazy? Um, Yeah. Because not even the time where it was like, (laughs) where it was like some people had weddings in the fall or in the summer where it certainly wasn't normal. But you, yeah, you had a, a very like, Springtime. you had to call an audible and a very different day than you thought you were going to have. And, and yeah. uh, it was beautiful having been, been part of it via zoom. It was beautiful. I sat in my, on my deck in my backyard and dressed up in a bow tie for the first time in months and watched <laughs> you guys beautifully take your vows. But yeah, you, you're in that, that COVID wedding kinship now. 
Yeah, totally. So um, I'm a wife now, but I'm like obviously a lot more than a wife. Um, I, uh, I work for the navigators, so I want to do my work kind of space. So I do young adult ministry. Uh, what that looks like is, I mean, I would identify as having like a pastor heart. Like I love what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a shepherd and mm-hmm. love owning that now. Um, love walking alongside people. I would affirm that you have pastor gifts too. Uh-huh. Like, like you're an incredible pastor to so many people in our community, both that you've worked with at Silver Lake and also just you generally have this gift of being able to connect with people, which I know you're able to do in navigators, like whether you work with them or have like a longstanding relationship or not, like you're just a person that you're such an open uh, heart and a listener that I think your gifts have impacted so many people. Wow, man. And my like main love language is words of affirmation. So like, I'm feeling like really good as we start this off. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Adam. I didn't even know that. Now I know that. I'll remember that Now everyone knows that. Everyone knows exactly how to (laughs) love me. That's true. But yeah, no, I do. I love my work and it's it's an honor to do what I do. Um, Some of my favorite things to um, like talk about and teach about are like spiritual practices. I love talking about emotions and stress and healing and um, I also really love helping people to approach or like reapproach scripture with like a positive relationship and mm. trying to figure out what that might look like. Um, and uh, I love like equipping people to walk alongside other people too, um, to be like not just consumers in their faith, but to really like own it and oh, yeah. step forward in it. And then also like invite other people into it um, sure. within relationship. So that's like, ministry life and work life and uh and then right now too i'm really loving being in a a master's program so i go to tyndale right now um and i'm in the clinical counseling program and it's a beautiful blend of two things i really want to learn more about which is how to kind of counsel people well and how to understand some um mental health pieces and then also really wanting to understand theology and the bible in a way that I want to sit at some feet of some people who know more than I do. So, yeah. That's beautiful. But I do, and yeah, I have roots with Silver Lake. started going there as a camper when I was, uh, I think we had a 14, 14. Um, and then I worked there for a decade after yeah. being a camper for a bit. Yeah, I actually worked with Keegan. Um, yes, for many years. Yeah, what year yeah. were you guys on staff together? Uh Oh, that's the fin. My first like, year was 2009. Yeah. Okay. So that was probably, wasn't that my first year too? We probably were on staff probably. the whole time I was on staff. So, so maybe like 2009 to 2013 kind of time frame. Oh, actually, correction. No, my first year was 2010. Yeah, I oh, did okay. live in 2009. But uh, oh. yeah, so we probably worked together for a few years there. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I might be mistaken too. I always, it's like, looking back on camp now it's it's its own little dimension it's hard to like fit it into the way that i think of like the years of my life so <laughs> i don't know yeah, if those it's a are, season i don't know if those year. are correct years <laughs> uh, you kind of go into a portal yeah. a little bit for yeah, sure going, going so. way back going way back mm-hmm. and you just a shout out as well you do incredible work alongside um Rhonda and our friends at Calvary and, and with the equip ministry, um, can you talk a little about that? I just shout out, maybe plug some of the great mentorship stuff that has been going on there even this year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, this, this last 
spring, we ran like a mentorship training program. And uh, that is one way that uh, for me, I really want to pass on something that um, I've learned to do, which is like meet with people and talk about life and figure out what they want to move and grow in next with their faith. But I'm only one person and hmm. I really want other people to be present to the relationships around them. So I uh, kind of with Rhonda, um, we built this kind of program that um, allowed yeah, a set of people to do some sessions with us, do some learning with us, and then um, hopefully feel like they can figure out who are the people in their life that um, they could walk with. Because I think that it's a really beautiful and vibrant way that young people can be the church together. Totally. Um, so, and we need like we need mentors. We need people who are just a little further down the road yeah. can look back and say, "I see you. I want to meet you where you're at. Let's go farther together." Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like really passionate about it, and so sometimes I think it's just so normal, and then I realize like it's not. <laughs> and uh, so I want to kind of like pass that on a little bit. So that's one program yeah. we've led, and then you know we also uh, lead kind of other smaller programs and different things. But aim to like equip. Um, yeah. It's funny, you know. I think like having mentors, having people who are kind of guides in life, you know, is such a valuable and important part of growing up and kind of becoming a fully human being. You know, being kind of welcomed into. Um, adult life and yet mm -hmm. it can often be like really hard to come by i think that a lot of the normal structures people pass through just school then into work life and so on those are not really places that are built around uh ideas of mentorship and having those longer term mm -hmm. relationships you know um so i think it's true you really have to uh be intentional about build, finding those relationships in your own life. And I think I know certainly uh, for myself, that's been an important thing to, to look out for. And that, so that's, that's mm -hmm. really wonderful to <clears throat> kind of pass that on and be so uh, yeah, just intentional about it. Yeah. Mm. I think there are a lot of people out there who would really, uh, would really say that I, I want someone who could walk with me like that. I want like a mentor. I want someone who could have calls with me and, you know, check in with life and remember what I said yeah. to them before. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people do want that. And a lot yeah. of people are, are explicit or, you know, maybe not about that, but like there are maybe not enough people that are offering that. Um, yeah. So you ask the question, it's like, well, where do they come from? Who yeah. are these people? It's yeah. like, it's you. It actually is you. It's actually yeah. you yourself are that. <laughs> and so I really want people to know that, um, you don't need to count yourself out and say, I don't know enough yet. I yeah. don't have it all figured out yet. Like actually mm. you, it's, it's actually your job um, mm. to, to join in on that kind of movement. But just because you need guidance and so on, doesn't mean you might not be that much further along that you can offer that to someone else as well. Like, you know, yeah. having those kind of multiple tiers of that relationship, I think is also important, you know, that we're like passing it on between ourselves. So yeah that's really cool and i'm all, I'm just also aware of uh how yeah like you said we have a lot of institutions and programs and systems set up um mm -hmm. you know in our in our society but but yeah but people and relationships and finding those 
um, for a mentor, you know, it's not just a programmatic approach, I, right? It's going to be knowing someone and investing and showing up for someone. And that's, um, and, and to me, that's just like, it's such a, it's such a key part uh, of what discipleship in Jesus is, which is you're, you're putting your body in a space to be there for someone. Um, yeah. You're putting your time, your attention, your, your mental capacity to show up for someone. And, and I, and I think that, that, um, that I'm so aware that, uh, like Keegan said, there's not a lot of spaces that, that help us understand and recognize that, that piece of all of us that can, can be mentored, can be a mentor, and that just the work that you and, and, and Rhonda, and I know there's, there's other people on the team um, as well, just the work that you're doing to, to, to equip and, and launch people into uh, owning that part of, of, of who they are and, and learning the, the skills and the disciplines to, to do that. Um, that's just gonna that's just gonna pay so many dividends down the road for the lives of of who knows how many people because of you know if you have ten people in this group this year and you had a few last year and the mentors that they um, are to other people and so on and so forth yeah um, yeah we'll we'll de- we'll uh, we've shared it before but we'll definitely continue to plug uh, equips uh, social media and let people know when there's there's new events coming up and, and stuff because. Yeah, you and Rhonda are just doing incredible stuff, and you are so 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 gifted at at that teaching aspect and that equipping. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Um. So let's 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 move in here. Uh, we kind of usually start off with a few questions about mistakes or things that went wrong to just set the tone, set the theme a little bit before diving into mm-hmm. the full on, uh, uh, the full on kind of quote unquote meat of the uh, conversation. So, uh, let's just, right. just to start us out, like, tell us about a time that you were wrong as a child. Yeah. This is such a fun question to think about and try to like rack my brain about. This is my favorite question. <laughs> and I called my sister last night and I, and my mom texted me this morning and I got a good one for you. Well, I think it's a good one. Um, so when I was four, um, it's a little four-year-old Janelle, you can picture like <laughs> super cute. Don't worry. I was super cute. And I had like <laughs> this curly hair, this blonde curly hair. Um, and me and my two-year-old sister at the time, um, we were sitting next to each other in a pew at church, at the Concord United Church. And it's the right, right in the middle of the service, um, out of the blue, I stand up on the bench of the pew and I turn around and abruptly, the lady behind me, I scold her loudly. That's quoting my mother. I scold this lady that's sitting behind me um for no real apparent reason <laughs> so this is the middle of the service and my mom remembers it being so quiet when i chose to do it like it's like between the sermon and something else and uh and this is like united church services for those who grew up in different traditions you know this isn't a charismatic service where, no. where the, the band is always in the background or there's lots of uh, people responding amen in the crowd this is united church service which is let's say low key to say the to say the least so there's a lot of quiet moments there's a lot of quiet moments a lot of like in between silence like yeah for sure so um i think my mom was very embarrassed and <laughs> and surprised and confused and i was probably not very embarrassed like i'm four um and so i yelled at this lady 
I like I've turned behind me to like face the back of the church and yelled at her. And then I sit back down and I sit there quietly, silently for the rest of the whole service. And we just continue on. Um, and I wouldn't tell my mom why I did it. I honestly, and I also don't remember doing this at all, but it's one of the stories that shows up in my family and we kind of like laugh about it. We say, what the heck was happening there? Like, what a mystery. Like, what was going on? Like, why did I do this? Yeah. Yeah, because I want to know like what what, what you said <laughs> yeah. like, to not, because to scold is usually, hey, stop talking or something like, so yeah. you just generally mm. were like, you just said, how dare you or something, I guess, and but wouldn't <laughs> go into detail about why. Yeah, just say nothing yeah. about this poor, poor woman's experience. She's like, what have I done? Like, <laughs> yeah, so I, because I have no memory of it, and she doesn't know what I exactly said or whatever. It was just, I was, it was loud. It was, um, I was scolding. And uh, this four-year-old, so this, like, probably older lady, um, just at church, just minding her own business, probably. Um, but one theory we do have uh, is that she, maybe she touched my hair because I have, I had this, I have naturally curly hair. And as a kid, I had, like, very curly hair because, like, the world and the elements haven't made them less good. So they're, like, just pure, like, child curls. And... They're really cute, and lots of adults, like, would comment on them a lot and, like, just be so impressed by my my curls. Um, and so I do remember one time in the grocery store that um, we're in the checkout line, and some lady, a legit stranger, touches my hair. Like, I'm sitting in the um, part of the cart, you know? Like, I'm a little kid. I'm sitting in the cart waiting for my mom, like, to check things through. And some lady touches my curls because she obviously thinks they're just wonderful. And I yell at her. And I tell her to not touch my hair. Um, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Even as a kid, setting great boundaries. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I want to I affirm this moment as like, yeah. I, yes, I hope you. that it, my nieces and nephews will, will do that too. It's so like, excuse me, actually, this is my body. And <laughs> yeah, you don't get to just touch my hair. Yeah. I don't know if you were wrong. Maybe if she touched your hair, that's... Uh, that is kind of violating, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's I not the agree. worst. Like, I'm sure it was friendly enough, but it's still weird, you know? Just, yeah. uh, you know, touching a child's head. Like, I don't know. Maybe don't. Maybe don't do it. Maybe don't. Yeah, maybe yeah. don't do that. <laughs> and so I, I actually think it's a pretty cool example of, like, being young enough that you don't understand politeness or, like, social connections that might make you yeah. say, oh, I can't yell in the middle of the grocery store. Oh, I can't yell at church. But... I definitely had some sort of sense of like, this isn't okay. I'm going to freely express my boundaries. I'm going to express my feelings when those boundaries are crossed. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, and I definitely nice. thought about like, I think I was probably wrong as a kid if I turned around to the lady in church and just yelled for no reason. Like that's probably out of line. Yeah, if there if but there was if, a thing, or if she just like had a cough that day and yeah, like yeah. <laughs> but if she touched my hair, then like maybe you know the being wrong is a little more nuanced. Like maybe, maybe I was that wrong. Maybe that was, you know, he's saying, yeah. you know, yeah, go little Janelle. Maybe it was just, maybe it's righteous. Maybe, yeah. maybe I was right. Um, <laughs> so what's right? What's maybe, wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm not so sure. Probably need more explanation of what was actually going down. Yeah. Very, very ambiguous. Very ambiguous. 
Yeah. So I'll just leave that to viewers to decide. Yeah. Was she right? Was yeah. she wrong? It's up to you. Until we track this person down and interview them on an episode and get their side of the story, and then we'll mm-hmm. have to have you both on where you can try and mm-hmm. actually have to have a third party witness do it too. Yeah, and it's like a restorative justice type of moment, yeah. you know. Who was yeah. wrong? This will be an really? ongoing uh this will be an ongoing storyline in the in the hub Yeah, a new plot. <laughs> yeah, so that's one I got for you uh, from when I was a kid. Nice. Um, nice. Cool. So how about how about another one? How about just in general, no longer in childhood, just, you know, zooming mm-hmm. out a little bit, thinking about the life and uh as a whole. Yeah. Um tell us about a funny or foolish mistake that you have made. Yeah. Well, this one is still, I was a kid, um, but I hope that's okay. Um, uh, so when I think about foolish mistake, this one like comes to mind because it's like seared into my memory of like a <laughs> foolish mistake. This, this is good. This is the kind we love. Some people will think like, okay, like this one is too simple and kind of lame and like, Jan, this is not even embarrassing, but (laughs) I believe that if it matters to you, it matters. So (laughs) if this is like, still makes me like my stomach go into knots when I remember it, then, you know, (laughs) I think it's valid. So that's serious. I, I remember being in grade four. Oh, okay. Don't get too excited because it's actually maybe not that crazy, but it's crazy to me. So I'm in grade four and, um, a little bit older now and I am moving from like French class maybe back to like homeroom so we like mm-hmm. travel from the school like one part of the school over to another part of the school and I'm walking into like towards my homeroom class and um as we're walking into the hallway I see the milk cart is set up so at my school we used to have these milk ladies that came in and they had this little cart it was like a little library cart and they set up milk on it and then you got in line and they punched your milk card for where your parents prepaid for your milk and you got your milk because um, they like kept it refrigerated or whatever. Um, and uh, so I go up to the ladies and I get my milk. Um, and then I like, you know, little grade school me, you know, I move over to the coat room and I get out my lunch bag and I grab it and I'm like, yay, lunch. Da, 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 da. And I come to the doorway and it's not lunchtime. Everyone is like sitting in the class, like sitting down for math class or something. And I am just, my stomach drops. And I think, I could not have done a more stupid thing. Oh my gosh, I am mortified. (laughs) I like freeze. I'm standing in the doorway and I'm like, I hope no one sees me. And I just have my milk. Like, I'm pretty sure it was chocolate milk that day. And I'm just standing there with my little chocolate milk. And I'm just like so embarrassed that I thought it was lunch time. <laughs> so, that's, a, that's a real thing. You're in front of the class. I get that. Like yeah, those thank moments you. Okay. Where, like, where you're learning. Like you just explained the, the moments earlier when you don't get social conventions and like, and now you're, yeah. you're facing that. You, you definitely understand it now it. where you're like, mm-hmm. I've done some, I'm, I'm not part of the crowd in this moment. Yeah. And here mocked. I am in front yeah. of them. <laughs> how stupid, Janelle. You, there's a whole period to go. How could you not know what, how to tell time like I was so I run back to the coat room and I hide my milk like in my lunch bag and like that's just like an example of shame for me it's like what is your milk what do you have to hide in your lunch bag and like run back over it's like oh my I just like couldn't let anyone know I had milk in my possession and so I like (laughs) move back into like the class and I'm like I have no idea who saw me and who didn't and it's like the greatest mystery and I sit back down and I just like 
stew in my little chair like the whole time like does anyone know that I like made this mistake <laughs> um and then lunch eventually comes and I like move back to the room and I like feel like a spy and I'm like I can't let anyone know my like, milk is in my lunch bag already and like I pull it out and I'm like I got I, I didn't get caught I think um and oh man I just <laughs> it's one of my most embarrassing moments wow it really is that maybe no one even no, knows this about. happened, yeah. Maybe only you. <laughs> Honestly, it feels it's so hard to even say it out loud. Like, it had no consequences. I get that. No, I, there was no issues yeah. really with it. But I was just so, um, so embarrassed. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's true, though. Your relationship to uh, politeness and social convention had dramatically changed by that point. It had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Church to school. Yeah, there's sort of a development story going on here, too. Um, okay, okay. Maybe this next one will take us further into the future. And this is good because it's also cool. connected in to this kind of social convention stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. what is... Maybe it'll have a milk theme. Yes. Uh, well, hopefully <laughs> not. <laughs> what is um, a movie or uh, music that yes. you feel you were mm-hmm. wrong about in the past? Okay, I think you're going to like this one. I think you both nice. will, actually, of what I know about oh, you. All right. So, yeah, and I might get a rise out of you. So when I was younger, I thought Lord of the Rings and Star Wars were lame and overrated. What? I'm I'm so on the side of the lady in church now because of a little. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to keep going, yeah, but I'm just gonna have to like contain myself here. And I feel like I like took a position of like it's lame, it's overrated. All of you guys are such nerds. Um, and obviously, I mean, Leo. We, we are nerds. <laughs> Some of that is probably not wrong. But I, I thought it was like really confusing and complicated. And I will say, is I'm not a fan of long battle scenes. Mm-hmm. Like I think you spend That's too much fair. time sometimes in movies fighting, and I'm like, okay, get on with it. Somebody win yeah. already. But yeah. Yeah. I will yeah, say, yeah. with Star Wars and with Lord of the Rings, I was obviously wrong. Like <laughs> I really was. Like, they're great <laughs> movies. Um, I had actually never seen Star Wars, and so oh. it was a terribly unfair judgment to say it was lame, because I had never actually seen it. <laughs> Which many of us do, right? You're like, you just see a, a yeah. pop culture train, and you're like, I'm not going to get on that. So my question then here is, like, what uh, was it just watching it for the first time? Or for those who don't know, obviously you have uh, your partner, Steve, your husband, is a very, very... Um, very avid Lord of the Rings fan, and so was that the was that the turning point? It was. I'm sorry to say, it was true love yeah, he, that changed he it. You. <laughs> it can really cloud your judgment, though. So you know. it really yeah, can. Love can blind you. <laughs> yeah. So predictable. Yeah. So the real question, though, is: Have you read the books yet? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. Okay. okay. Well, actually, I didn't read The Hobbit. Or listen to the nice. audiobook of an abridged yeah. version of The Hobbit, and I thought it was nice. charming. Yeah. yeah, I really yeah. liked it. It's great. Yeah. yeah, it's a little different on the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he, he wrote it, sure. I think, a little more free lines, but mm-hmm. all, the, there's a lot of there's. I think there's a lot more whimsy in it, and like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Hobbit's great. I, I love the whimsy. Yeah. You know, we gotta have a little whimsy in our lives. Mm-hmm. We, got, we gotta, yeah, especially this year, man. Yeah. You gotta have some whimsy going. <laughs> you on. got to bring, bring the whimsy back. Yeah, make life sense of wonder. Again, you, know? you know, these are important, important yeah, elements of, exactly. uh, of life. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, maybe that is sort of a good segue, whimsy and wonder, into diving into a more, um, uh, a more kind of 
religiously interesting question or uh, something a little bit uh, deeper and that, that cuts mm-hmm. a little closer to the heart, right? Um, totally. So our kind of core uh, question here really is what is something that you have been wrong about over the course of your life, um, you know, uh, specifically having to do with faith or with your um, spiritual experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as I was reflecting on this question, I um, kind of landed on talking about how I've recently identified a clear conviction in myself about the place of women in the church and uh, mm-hmm. believing in an equal place for women in leadership and in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about this question reflected on kind of the influences and experiences in my thinking on this and kind of where I find myself now and even kind of where I want to grow. And so I'm not sure it charts like drastic change in thinking, but I definitely think it's uh, recent kind of discoveries have forced me to realize how that, that my thinking has shifted slightly, but also just the importance of knowing what you think and owning that. Um, and kind of coming to a confidence yeah. place on that. So part of, I think, my mistake is that I was avoiding it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of had been awakened to this being something for me, this kind of topic, mm-hmm. as I've, like, worked in ministry. Um, and I've been a woman in ministry for mm-hmm. four years now. Like, and I've been paid for it. <clears throat> um, and so from kind of time to time, I found myself in different situations. So like one time I found myself in a space where I was going to be leading and teaching and I was made aware that someone may attend a gathering that didn't agree with women leading or teaching hmm. and they didn't end it, like, even end up coming in the end, but boy, did it affect my prep time. <laughs> like it took me oh, twice as yeah. long to prep it and I was filled with self-doubt and I was hmm. filled with nerves and then they didn't even come and I realized, whoa, that just even the threat of them being in the room, it made me feel like I wasn't good at what I did. Um, just because they could even be sending that off, I guess. Um, yeah. I've also like found myself um, like interrupted by men or like been spoken over by others. Like, um, and if kind of in a few like ministry spaces, I've felt both how young I am and also, like, how female I am. Hmm. Um, and there actually haven't been a huge amount of times where um, I've felt limited by my gender. But they are memorable. And they did, like, mean something to me. Hmm. Um, and, like, these are small, right? But, like, maybe they're not. <laughs> and I did see how they affected me. And they also opened my eyes to hmm. this being a thing so I kind of put it on the back burner um and I put on the back burner the seeking and reflecting that I felt like I did need to do about this topic of women in ministry um and I really wanted to be able to articulate how I felt what I believed but couldn't clearly explain and I wanted to figure out how to put to words what I actually did feel to be true um but because I hadn't really faced it and given it attention, um, I didn't 
like read the books or read the scriptures. Like I bought the books and like mm. I knew kind of what the scriptures were, but I actually hadn't like spent time with it. Like I did other right. things with my time. Um, and because I hadn't faced it, I didn't feel like I could actually talk to people about it. Like I couldn't have a real conversation with anybody about it. Mm. And so I think that was an interesting thing to identify. I think it's actually part of the way I was wrong um, was the putting it off. And maybe I wasn't ready. And obviously it was a vulnerable thing, but yeah. yeah. Um, so there was a bit of a tipping point for me when I found myself in a class this semester. So I'm at Tyndale Seminary and it was like a biblical interpretation class. It was great. Um, really liked the prof and it, it was over Zoom. And we end up talking just about like a method for investigating a passage. Um, and the conversation gets sidetracked into the debate around the role of women in the church. Because um, people are coming from all these different places um, in this class, right? Different kinds of churches, different denominations, and people are talking about it now. So I'm on this Zoom call in the kind of in the space of learning where I felt really comfortable before. And some voices then begin to express their questions, their opinions about this. And there's like a few women, but there's like one more outspoken male voice on it. And I found myself shutting down. I really did. Um, so all these voices happened to be voices that were expressing some problem or concern or reluctance to being fully on board with women teaching freely, um, like in a head, like a head pastor role or something. And I know my face on the screen probably looked visibly different, like to the people at least who know how to read my face. Mm -hmm. Like I was like cold, like I, my face was tight and like my jaw was probably locked. And, and is this I, Zoom? This is Zoom, yeah. Yeah, so as opposed to an environment where maybe you're in a classroom and everyone's facing one way or you're yeah. in a circle, like Zoom is so weird because everyone's looking at everyone all the time. And yeah. so at, like, I know I'm super self-conscious of just like, you know, your body language and everything. And so that must have felt like, like that for me, that would like redouble like how much I'm like, like sweating in a situation like that of being just conscious of how I'm, how I'm presenting or looking. And so that must've been really tough. Yeah. And I remember I was reading the faces of the other women in the, in the class. Like I was trying to see if their faces were betraying a frustration that I was feeling. Like if I was trying to right. see, like even my sense of like different people in the class and like my sense of maybe where they're at theologically or something and being like, are they frustrated? Like, are they feeling frustrated with how long this male voice is talking about this and how strongly he <laughs> yeah. feels? Of course. Um, and I'm trying to like navigate, like, how do I feel? And then like, how's my face showing up with that? Uh, and so I was feeling a lot of things. I was so surprised. I felt angry. I felt sad. I felt personally attacked even though we're talking about it, like, just in general. Because, like, I'm a proud woman who works in ministry. Um, so for someone to take a position where you don't think I'm equally capable or empowered mm. to teach, like, in any space and in any way, like, that hurt. And it feels, mm. like, super personal. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're not talking about me, um, they are talking about me. Yeah. And so, like, it's personal for me as a woman who works in ministry, but it's also just, like, in my sense of identity. Like, I am a female, right? Like. Um, and then I also felt ashamed because I shut down and I shrunk back mm. and I knew I wouldn't have felt confident to actually have a conversation with this person. Like I was feeling frustrated, but then also ashamed that I like, didn't mm. feel confident. Yeah. And then self-doubt creeps in and you're like, 
okay, well, I'm in a seminary class. I already feel sometimes way outside my comfort zone. Um, do people think I'm like actually less welcome here? Like I thought I was welcome, but like, am I not? Or like, maybe I'm welcome here, but I'm only actually able to apply what I learn in particular spaces out there. Like, uh, or do I actually need to prove myself or compensate here in a way that I didn't realize I had to? Like, I was kind of just like jostling with it. Um, I felt defensive. I felt frustrated. And I thought like, wow, like different. Some people think really differently than me. And like, if they had any idea what they're indirectly like implying about me, like, wow, that feels really rude. Um, and I was like particularly frustrated with the male, the male voice. Like I was like frustrated that he was speaking for so long. Um, and he had a lot to say. And so I like recognized there's like this fire starting in me. Um, Mm. and I was just like, yeah, I was surprised. And I felt really surprised. So many people might be in church spaces that think this or, um, like think that women maybe have a limited role in ministry, but then I also felt silly. And I felt naive for feeling surprised. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I feel surprised. Like, people think this? And then I think, of course people think this. Why did I think people didn't think this? Um, <laughs> and realizing, like, my circle my, is, like, not the only Christians of culture that exist. And mm-hmm, yeah. I might spend a lot of time around people who believe similarly to me, or I assume they believe similarly to me. Mm. And so, like, yeah. I guess this class, it really opened my eyes quite a bit. Yeah, I feel like this is where I stop and I say, like, that was all my feelings. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I do really want to hold others in high regard and seek to understand and recognize that people who believe differently than I do on issues, like, including really important ones, right? It's like, the differences matter. Like, and this issue matters. Um, hmm. Like, they've likely grown their perspectives out of the influences around them and what formed them. And presumably they are trying their best to live out faithfully their reading of scripture. And they're doing that in a different way. And hopefully with, you know, the dignity and humanity and image of godness of females in mind. But even if they aren't, they deserve respect. And I need to really slow down my judgment. Because I, I want to disagree well. Um, and I want to walk with like respect and curiosity. And I want to model this as a leader. And so it's even kind of funny to share this out loud to say, like, I can be quick to judgment sometimes. <laughs> like, that's the way I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I likely have many people in my life, maybe even people listening that I really love and respect who would find themselves landing in a different place than I do. Um, and that might be unknown to me. Um, but maintaining, like, a respect and a slowness might feel a little easier when you have a real relationship with someone. Um, like with an existing respect and care between you, it might get messier too. Um, but it might feel easier to not just like push them away and say, oh man, that stranger over there, his ideas are so different. Oh my gosh, it's so out there. Hmm. Um, and maybe it feels like harder to not be quick or hot headed or if like feel threatened when you actually have given yourself space to find your own solid place to stand with something, which I hadn't done. So I just felt like very exposed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So like, that's what I believe in my head. Like I want to 
have curiosity, respect, a slowness to judgment. That's what I want to live out. But how it actually feels in my body and in my heart, like my first reaction is to feel threatened or to feel scared, um, feel confused. And so that's the way I can be wrong. Um, that's the way I've been wrong. So I guess what I'm saying is that it's important to me that I check myself when I go to the place in my head that says something's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually really can't stand the phrase a no-brainer because it's so dismissive. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's no such thing as a no-brainer. Um, yeah. And so for me to be, like, really surprised that other ways of thinking of women in the church exist um, and to really distance myself from people and, like, other them, like, it's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. It, like, is my first reaction yeah. sometimes, but it's not where I want to stay. Um, and it feels like easier, more comfortable to say like the other ways of thinking are just so out there, um, then slow down and consider like how it might be more complicated and more human than that and how we've been formed by mm-hmm. the way we've grown up for our culture. And I want to do more than just see myself as like so different than people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do yeah. like deeply believe that women as equal partners in the church and in all areas and yeah. leadership and relationships is more in line with God's dream for humanity. Yeah. I think it's a justice issue. I think it's like a justice issue that has implications for other justice issues. Absolutely. And it's something I really care about. Um, yeah. And like, it might seem like a non-issue today, like in some of our communities, um, but it's not going to be the case for all women in all places. Yeah. And it has like, surely hasn't been for all history. Yeah. And, I actually don't even think it's a non-issue now. I just think it's subtle. Absolutely. And like, this really matters to me. And I'm like, I'm convinced it matters to God. So I hold that (laughs) with this wanting to walk in curiosity and respect Mm -hmm. and being slow to judgment. Yeah. And I really appreciate like that. um, Even as you process this here, like, um, yeah, that there is this that you and I think you actually uh, you 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 really do embody this, um, Janelle. That when when you uh, are able to share a, a different perspective or uh, and just be able to say, yeah, I disagree there. That you you really um, you are so good at affirming the image of God in in anyone who is in front of you. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that there is this, uh, and you've even kind of touched on it here. There's this way to to um, not violate the sacredness of another mm-hmm. image bearer in front of you while um, also holding firm and going, yeah, I think that you're missing out on something here, which we see mm-hmm. in Jesus all the time, that even where when he sharply disagrees with chief priests um, or, or whoever, that it's always in an invitational way, like you're missing the feast. There's something over here. Yeah. And I just, I think that you embody that really well. And, and I'm aware that our our bodies go especially when we when we come up against um something that can be uh deeply uh, like you said it is deeply personal when someone is basically targeting your body as a reason um to deny you certain things whether mm-hmm. in theory um uh or in practice and so um i'm just very aware that w- where our bodies go is where our bodies go and those are like really important responses and and i think that you're um even as you've you detailed it right now. You you've been someone who's helped teach me to understand how to to listen to um, 
listen to my listen to my body and understand the deep connection um there you talked about that last year in the equip mm-hmm. live stream and so um yeah so i i want to like just hold that it's very understandable that we that a body would react that way when you're when someone is going on and on and it's about you and and <laughs> like you said it's is it not personal but really it is because you're you're talking about me and so um yeah i just it, it's so um i think so many people could identify with saying um we we don't always in the moment react and we it's easy to look back in hindsight and go oh i wish i'd said this or i wish i hadn't reacted that way um but our bodies are uh, are are going to react in a way that that helps us to cope and helps us pay attention mm-hmm. to things and um and so yeah yeah it's tough because like in both of the instances you identified where you had this experience it's like this individual man perhaps there are others like in the group settings who had these feelings but who particularly just like changed the tone so dramatically by essentially making you feel threatened and i think you're right to feel that it's personal because well it's personal for you in a way that it's not for him you know like Mm -hmm. his role and his place isn't in question he's not being called into question fundamentally because of who he is and like Mm -hmm. nothing you're gonna say is gonna do that you know even uh so you know it's very very charitable of you to take that position because yeah it is it is a very serious um justice issue i mean some of the largest churches in the world continue not to ordain women you know the catholic church the orthodox church like um those don't ordain women at all and it's only specific protestant denominations that do and um so it's certainly yeah not not a not a settled question you know there are still Mm -hmm. you know millions of people involved in churches that that don't ordain women or respect their place in ministry at all and i think that it's so hard to have those conversations when for some people it is personal and it is an attack on your bodily autonomy, you know, um, in an important sense. And then for others, you know, they can be, Oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're able to kind of be above the fray and it, you know, it's very charitable of you to think that they're arguing from a position of good faith. And that's one thing that I often question in these (laughs) sorts of debates. And maybe I should, uh, learn this uh this this humility and charity from you <laughs> because I, I you know i often i often doubt that people uh engage on some of these issues in good faith and um, yeah yeah so it's a very thoughtful approach that you take yeah i think it's mostly like i'm 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 still processing and i'm still trying to figure that out i think the main thing for me is that if i start from a place of believing it's not good faith like that's not a good place for me to mm-hmm. begin mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it's, it's challenging for me to think that they may be just coming from a place of good faith and that, um, that that's actually the water they swim in and it actually just seems super normal to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's helpful for me to start from, but I also know that like people benefit from things staying the same people in power. And so like, it's not neutral, definitely not saying it's neutral. I'm yeah. definitely not saying power is not at play, but I just know it's not even healthy for me as a person to start from the place of assuming ill intent, mm-hmm. um, while also not denying the non-neutrality and the the power that's at play, uh, because I'm feeling it. Yeah. 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 And that's such a hold. That's such a hard tension to hold. Um, and I just want to again affirm, like I think you hold that that really well, where it's it's not just a simple. Um, 
like, oh, yeah, we agree, disagree, and have different perspectives. Yeah, and maybe you're a little right, maybe I'm a little right. And I think that's especially in 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 our culture and in, in our country, that's where a lot of people end up landing is like is like trying to always find like the middle ground, the middle ground when mm-hmm. uh, what we what we know is from from history and from you know in practice is that the middle the middle ground upholds the status quo and it's particularly on when it comes to issues of justice and like mm-hmm. you said this is an issue that then connects and um and pours into so many other issues mm-hmm. um to be able to go i you know i want to i want to affirm your your the image of god in you and um and not assume uh ill intent while also um being firm and grounded and and confident in in my trust that um uh that uh, and that you have every um that you are the holy spirit is, is accessible to you and imparts any gifts on you that it would um uh on someone uh, on someone else whatever gender they are so mm-hmm. to be able to hold those things together um and we're all in process so to to also be able to look back and go yeah like who who could have expected that right away you know and as you began, began that journey you would have known how to articulate it and um, mm-hmm. or known or, or felt the, uh, felt the, um, the ability in your body to, uh, to speak in some of those situations. I think it's so, so understandable that that's part of, you know, we see God working in process right from Genesis, um, mm-hmm. and, and leading God's people along and Jesus bringing, uh, uh, God's people and opening up the church in a new way. So to be in process and to grow, um, uh, I think is, is a really good and holy thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, Adam, we were talking about how our bodies um, may be reacting or like telling us something. And so I definitely felt that. Um, and I think I have learned that, well, I need to backtrack that like, um, I found that the topic came up in class the second time, and then I felt it again. Uh, and then I talked to Steve about it. And realized that whenever I talked about it, I got really worked up mm-hmm. and I felt like restless and vulnerable and fiery and it like was getting a rise out of me. And so yeah. I've like learned that like when we have a big reaction, like we got to dig deeper, like that might be a place mm. where God is trying to break through. Yeah. Like it's not maybe bad. Like it actually is just um, significant. Um uh-huh. But I wanted to avoid digging deeper because it felt vulnerable, right? Mm. Like it felt risky to ask, like, what if I find that I can't reconcile certain things? Like, what if yeah. the meaningful work and calling I feel as a woman in ministry is challenged by this? Like, mm. I don't actually want to look at it in the eye. <laughs> like, what if, and also just like, what if on a simple level, like, I want to avoid discomfort? Like, what if I actually, to do this well, I need to listen to voices that I'm uncomfortable listening to? <laughs> like, I have to listen to the arguments of, um, like other readings of particular scripture passages. And when I like hear the way that they see that passage, I actually get a little sick in my stomach sometimes. Yeah. And like, I actually have to do that. Um, can I trust God as he wants to like walk with me into a new area and show me some new things? So like the best thing that helped me take a positive step forward and actually like put in the work a little bit happened like last month. So um, I had an opportunity to have like a really meaningful and mature dialogue with um, kind of a few other Christians and like really dig into the topic. Um, and this was brought by gentle encouragement from my husband who reflected back to me, you've said a few times that you really want to dig in, you really want to read and think, and this might be a good opportunity to do that. And, and he was right. 
so we spent like a whole afternoon we have like these two desks that like face each other it's like really cute and um <laughs> we spent a whole afternoon like reading and discussing and individually and together we were digging in and we looked at the scripture passages that are often used mm -hmm. to describe or to debate like um should women lead in the church or not um mm -hmm. and we looked at other passages so like the passages that maybe speak to ideas of gender or you know we looked at the genesis narrative or the idea of the image of god and um, examples of how jesus interacted with women and examples of women in the early church uh, being leaders and we also both learned more about the kind of two overarching ideas which we could call like egalitarianism and complementarianism and that was helpful and um, i watched youtube videos and I reflected with intention and actually just gave it time like that was that was the deal and so we ended up having a rich discussion like later that night it was like really long we were exhausted afterwards it's um steve and i were discussing with two other um followers of jesus and it was good for me um it really helped me to like fully show up to the topic because i had like put the work in earlier in that day to just sit with it myself right. and with someone i trust and then i got to talk about it with some other people and um it meant that i could like locate myself in a larger conversation mm -hmm. that I knew people were having, but I hadn't really joined in. And I was brave in a vulnerable area. That's always a good step. Totally. And uh, and I like give myself the time to like think on and step into something I really care about, but like I wasn't willing to look in the eye. And I found myself be able to bring like my deep heart convictions, which I felt like were really secure but I didn't know how to like explain it. And I like was able to have those come into dialogue with like intellectual reflections and yeah. with concrete ideas. And, um, and I could actually then explain why I believe that women have a place in ministry fully. Mm -hmm. And to come like, I, and I think also what came with it was a sense of confidence. Like yeah. I believe this, but I also feel confident that women are equally made in the image of God. And that the fullness of the image of God, which includes both male and female, should be represented at the leadership table of the church. Mm -hmm. And so it's just cool to like say that with more confidence now. Like it wouldn't yeah. have been able to do that a month ago. So I'm just proud of it. Yeah. And that that's just an incredible like um leaning in that that you engage in it. And I and I'm so aware that, you know, especially as we talked about people in process like like you said, probably you wouldn't have been um, been ready for that, or and and that that would be okay, and that there's lots of people probably listening mm -hmm. who are struggling with the issues, or deconstructing certain things, or growing, or changing, or even like you said, maybe even just kind of solidifying things that they've always felt in their spirit. I love mm -hmm. that you um kept, you use the word like there's like a fieriness in me a couple of times, and as we're here approaching Pentecost, um, how many times Holy Spirit is depicted, um as 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 flames and we talk about refiner's fire and so the mm -hmm. idea that yeah that I, I, when i hear that i just think of the fieriness of it, this is um that this can be holy spirit in us just trying to go like come with me dig in um go to a place that might be a, a little uncomfortable but knowing that you you're such a you're so um gifted and self-aware and like you said knowing um being how your body and your heart and your mind is going to respond to things and you you had those supports in place obviously you have this this beautiful like trust and love with with steve and i'm sure that trusting relationship with these other uh these other folks that you were 
digging in with. So knowing that you had the supports in place mm -hmm. to dig into a place where you said, yeah, this, my body might react in some certain ways here. And so you were also being aware of how to take care of yourself in that. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily just looking for um, the, uh, you know, the idea of I'm, I'm out to, to experience some pain here or suffer a little bit, but knowing like, okay, this might come with leaning in here. Um, but you had these really important supports in place yeah. um, and relationships with people who you knew would be walking alongside you. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that's just a great, um, you know, there's no blueprint. Everyone's journey is different, but I think that's a great example of how people can dig in when they're, when they're wrestling and leaning into these, these things, mm -hmm. these hard issues and complex issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I was blessed by having a safe space to do that in. Right. And having like yeah. a person who I've been able to be honest about, honest about things before with, and then can reflect back to me, not new things. Like he wasn't telling me what to do. He was just saying, I've heard you say a few times, do you think that this is a good opportunity to do that? Like, mm -hmm. yes, that's, that's what you can, that's what we can do for each other. Beautiful. Yeah. And it is inspiring too, because um, it's like, going forward now you know like wow i can enter into these kinds of spaces where i can be made to feel really like vulnerable and even hurt by the things mm -hmm. that other people think and say and uh it might not have the same impact on them you know but i if i'm going to move in that space in a way that i have confidence you know then i need to put in uh the work to understand my own thinking mm -hmm. and um to kind of really like learn my own heart on this issue and that you know, that'll strengthen me. Right. It's like, that'll, it's like training for the race or whatever <laughs> in yeah, a way, you yeah. know? So it's like now, how, how now moving through those spaces, you know, you're carrying that much more confidence. I think like there's actually something, really something good to learn there for, you know, at least I'll speak for myself, but like, I think for a lot of folks, um, where it's like, yeah, oftentimes when something seems really hard or really like, you know, self-evident such that you want to dismiss it, but then you are moving through spaces where that comes up and it impacts you negatively, then, you know, maybe that does, is a demonstration that, okay, it's time to uh, uh, put in the work. It's time to learn about this stuff in a serious way such that when this situation happens again, like I, I'm more I'm ready for it and I know mm -hmm. where I stand, you know, and I can, I can bring that confidence and in, and in doing that kind of create that kingdom space, like, you know, generate yeah. this sense of like justice that is my conviction. And like, if yeah. my, if I have these convictions, but I'm not able to live them, you know, then I feel this tension. I feel this anxiety about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is really difficult in spaces like, where there are these power imbalances, which are really obvious, that makes it all that much harder, you know, um, to walk in there and say, oh, I, I hold these convictions that, um, you know, this is a grave injustice. And I, but because of this power imbalance, I need to work even harder to like articulate that, to push that forward and to kind of open that space up a little bit, you know? Um, so I think that that is really, uh, just really cool and like a wonderful approach that yeah it it there's some reflectiveness and like thoughtfulness there that I think we can all learn something from when we mm -hmm. have these similar kind of reactions yeah and as I was thinking about this this topic too I I thought about um where I was at when I was younger or like when I was new to faith and so I think that like I am a lot more confident. I have a sense of how I can learn and grow in my faith, but um, 
is interesting to think, where was I at with this issue when I was 16, when I was new to faith in those first few years? And I don't think that, like I said before, like, I don't think that I have fundamentally changed my view. Like, I think I always would have identified with something like an egalitarian view, but I didn't know it and I didn't really own it. Um, But one thing I did remember is that when I was new to faith and I was like really hungry for guidance um, in like how to live it out, I found myself with some books on my shelves and some blogs that I would read and stuff that talked about being a Christian woman or about relationships or about books targeted to women that would have at least for a season had a subtle influence on my view in maybe more of a complementarian direction. Um, I think the key is that at the time, I don't think I even recognized that these books might be rooted in ideas that um, would be different than other ideas. Like I just didn't know they were different. Um, And I think swimming in the water before. Yeah. So that that thing where you're just not aware that maybe this is just one view and not all views. All views. Exactly. So I think that was something I like learned too. And, um, learning that like I may have these Christian authors like in on my shelves, um, but they might actually disagree with each other. They actually might represent fundamentally different positions. Maybe not explicitly, yeah. but the way that they talk about what it means to be a woman in the church, it could come through. And mm-hmm. um, it actually maybe probably wasn't probably wasn't what God was doing in my life then, right? Like He was doing other things. And so it wasn't at the forefront of my mind, maybe, but it's interesting to look back and say, you know, I was in a space where I just, I was just absorbing a lot of voices and I was also really impressionable and that mattered. And I also just thought they were kind of saying all the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think if I was to read them today, there would be things I would more clearly disagree with Mm -hmm. and like some language around like biblical femininity that wouldn't sit right with me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of now that I've done more personal kind of discovery and I've located myself a bit so there's actually one book that I had in an old stack like in my parents house recently when I was like bringing stuff back and stuff and I got rid of one of the books so I was like no <laughs> I don't want that one anymore and I didn't yeah. reread it I just had a sense it wasn't what I believed anymore totally. um mm. yeah and so like it's been cool then like at the same time in the last 11 years since I would like identify as a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. Um, I've like been mostly exclusively in spaces where they've encouraged women in leadership. Like yeah. I've been in camp spaces and campus ministry spaces where like women and men have encouraged me to lead. And yeah. mm-hmm. I've been cheered on by lots of people. And like in these spaces, I've like grown a lot of confidence and yeah. grown in my gifts and my calling. And I owe it to these people that I can be a woman in ministry. And I can like see that with confidence too. Um, and that's like why ideas about women being limited in ministry hurt because yeah. like I wasn't fed that idea actively at all. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that would look like. Um, and they don't, they don't fit with my sense of what God is doing in my life. And it hurts, uh, you know, obviously it, it targets first and foremost, those who are targeted by it, by, by women who are, um, repressed or um, um, or held back or or o- oppressed by by this, but we actually all lose out because think there you know when we th- it sobers me to think of all the all, all the incredible gifted women who perhaps grew up in um, these spaces or never left these spaces who um, Holy Spirit had implanted all these gifts um, mm-hmm. that were that were denied by mm-hmm. 
by what I would personally throw out and say sinfully wrong um, uh, and toxic understandings of who God is and 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 what and what that kingdom that Jesus uh, is saying is at hand mm-hmm. um, looks like and embodies. And so mm-hmm. we there are so many things that we've all lost out on um, because of that. And I think that that holding that alongside the tension that that you are um, that you have been so uh, uh, so much like all of us just in process with this thing, like you said, not necessarily radically shifting a belief, but the gift now of like you said the the confidence and um, and not that of we we you know we know that it's not all, all about you know I'm going to make an argument and that'll change someone's mind like mm-hmm. a, Jesus came in a body so we know we we, we want to live these things out but knowing that there's something that that can be such a gift to being able to articulate um and feel confident um in this truth uh and the gift that then that comes that 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 goes to like you said another impressionable 16 year old um who is looking for voices um Mm -hmm. and then the voice and this is the thing you have been a voice for so many young people whether it's in a as as a leader at Silver Lake or or in Equip or in Navigators where you've been able to be that voice to to cheer on um and point people towards you know the reign of Christ and as well that in these spaces where you're um um where there's pushback against this or um the 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 uh European dissented uh, male, like uh, like both Keegan and I are, are going on and on. That the gift that you can also uh, offer, and I know that you do by living this out and by being able to articulate this, is that the good news for 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 those who um, have sided with oppression is they don't have to do that anymore. And actually ex- saying, yeah, actually, I am pretty pretty dang serious about scripture, <laughs> and I've given my whole life to Jesus, and I've arrived at a very different experience than you. And uh, and let me share why. And so that there is just so much good news um, that comes from that, and and the the good news um, that has come and been embodied in your life for for many years has mm-hmm. been a blessing to I know both of us uh, in this in this chat and so many people um, in the camp community at McMaster and all over. And so I'm just super grateful for you being aware of the process and also just the gifts that you have in, in your, in the, in the beautiful confidence and that truth that you have now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'd love to like offer too, like what, where I find myself now. Um, yeah. Cause I like want to grow still. And so um, I think like now my eyes have been opened, right. To the ways mm-hmm. that I may actually have like less space than I thought. Yep. Um, like even subtly because I'm a woman. Um. Mm-hmm. So like asking questions like, is there something even coming from inside myself that is creating self-doubt that like, you know, isn't how God sees me? And do I see myself as less because I'm a woman? Am I doing that? Am I shrinking back because of it? Am I, am I deferring to others? Do I think I'm like just a little less qualified mm-hmm. than men? Yeah. Like, is that in me? And asking that? Because um, there's lots of ways that I can feel like I'm not enough. Like I'm constantly experiencing self-doubt sometimes um even in ministry too and um but it's my job to own that and to investigate that and then like when i find myself in spaces with other people like do i feel small here like is there a dynamic at play has it you know does it have something to do with gender like maybe it does maybe it doesn't but if my tendency is to say no then you know no that's not real it has nothing to do with gender Mm -hmm. 
Um, or even if it does, like, don't make that too big. Um, hmm. Maybe, like, I actually need to look a little closer. And maybe God is even inviting me to look closer, even if it's uncomfortable, right? Because if I'm, like, almost, like, gaslighting myself a bit, like, yeah. that doesn't, like, that doesn't just hurt me. Because I'm probably going to do that to other people, too. So, like, can I safely, graciously ask the question, like, at least to myself at first, like, how many people, how, how many, right, how many women are in the room? And, like, what kind of decision-making power do they have? What role are they playing? What voice do they have? And even, like, opening my eyes wider to, like, just, like, really normal stuff to me before. Um, like, for example, like, male language versus, like, inclusive language in, like, a biblical like in a, in a translation, like in a yeah. translation of the Bible. Um, and I've actually started reading uh, a new translation um, regularly because of it, because Which I didn't one? really realize. Yeah, what? So I moved from ESV to NIV, so not too crazy. Okay. And I guess ultimately, too, is like if my eyes are open to this, then like it invites me to open my eyes to other things I didn't notice. So yeah. like if I didn't notice, gender then there's probably lots of other marginalization i don't notice <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, uh yeah. especially ones that like i'm totally untouched by because of my privilege so like i am a woman yeah. right. but i have so much other privilege like mm-hmm. race sexuality socioeconomic status like even the fact that i'm like someone in the christian world who knows all the lingo like yeah yeah the water we submit isn't something we really see exactly. mm-hmm. so i'm then invited to ask other questions like who isn't represented at the table right now? Not just women, but like how many people of color are in the room? Why is that? How am I a part of that? Um, mm-hmm. So like, this is where I say like, Lord, forgive me for my view being so small and like how I do not clearly or entirely see his dream for humanity. Um, and like, forgive me for how I dismiss myself. And because of that, I'm dismissing others. And I can dismiss people who are marginalized. And I also can dismiss people who disagree with me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I need God to show me a better way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am now. And um, my last piece is that, like, for, for Lent, my practice was to read something each day that um, helped me learn about some kind of marginalization or some kind of issue that I'm not touched by and uh, try to put myself in the shoes of some different people. Cool. And like this was important for me because I want that to be part of my spiritual formation too. I want that to be part of my practice. Um, I've been trying to step into that a little bit, open my eyes um, to all of those other other things I don't see. Mm-hmm. That's inc- that's that, what an incredible Lent practice too. I feel like yeah. there's especially in those pieces you just mentioned. There's a lot of great tangible things that those who are on this journey or in a, again maybe slightly in a. Di- uh, in an earlier place on this journey can, can hold on to and can, can sink their teeth into. So, uh, man, I just, that, what a, what a beautiful, um, reflection on the, this journey that you've been on and, um, and where, where, where you're at and where you also continue to see yourself being able to grow. Um, I just can't say enough about how, um, how, how much that reflects Christ to me, how much it feels very, 
Holy Spirit charged. And, and like you even said, that the, these moments of these these ways that there is there is this non-toxic way to confess as well and go, hey, I'm complicit in some of this stuff. And mm-hmm. there can be good news for me in that too when I own it and, and know it and seek to repent. And so um, I just, yeah, the, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, Janelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so grateful for for you being uh, honest and vulnerable, which, which as we talked about before we started, you're like, yeah, it's, you're in a podcast and you're these questions. This isn't just like, we're not just chatting about fun stories when we were kids and that can be hard to do, yeah. but we also knew you're so, you model that so beautifully for our whole community, um, that openness and that vulnerability and that honesty and honesty in wrestling um, that, yeah, this is why we were super excited to have you on. and We're super grateful that you would join us. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for having me. We usually close out with uh, one last question. Uh, What is your perfect day off? Yeah. Um, I want to be on the beach. I want it to be hot. Um, I probably want to be off the grid. So, like, I don't want to be, like, not physically, maybe, like, I want to be at the King Card Beach, like, where I want to be, but I, like, don't want anyone to know I'm there, and I want, like, (laughs) like, maybe one person, but, like, um, I was gonna say, does Steve know you're there, or have you, have you wandered Yeah, Steve can come, but, like, just Steve. Okay, Steve can come, Steve can come. And, uh, like, I want to be kind of unreachable, like, I'll probably be away from my phone, away from my email, away from my social media and stuff, and probably be reading. Like, I just want to be on the beach, like maybe string up my hammock because I like could spend all day in that too. But um, Ooh, that would be that would be the key thing. Um, doesn't have to be too complicated. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. <laughs> that's yeah, that sounds. I want that right now, especially because <laughs> yeah. it's a warm day, and this is the first day I threw shorts on uh, to come yeah. down to the office. So I'm like, man, yeah, <laughs> sign me up for that. Sign me up for everything that you've just shared with us in the last hour and a bit, Janelle, because yeah. uh, I'm so on board. Awesome. Yeah, so super cool stuff. Thank you so much for uh, kind of joining us today, sharing your insights. Uh, that was like really wonderful. So many kind of different pieces that I think people can latch on to. And, uh, you know, a lot of great learning there coming from a place of real uh, kind of experienced wisdom you know and that's just yeah. such a beautiful thing to hear you know it's, it's a real joy mm-hmm. to speak to you today so yeah thanks a lot awesome well i am uh, adam i'm keegan and uh, i'm janelle <laughs> and this has been the hubcast 